What's up? What's happening? I'll see if we remember how to do this. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And we are streaming live once again. Uh, when I'm out, so is the YouTube stream. But we are back in all of the places here on a Monday edition of Columbia. Yep, we're back. We're holding. Oh, my God, you're not Anthony Haney. What's up, Vic Ferreira? Hey, how's it going? Happy Monday, everyone. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Wednesday. Uh, Anthony and I have now seen each other in like, by the time we, we get back together in the same room, it will have been over two weeks. Wow. Well, geez, it's, it might as well be the replacements here the last two weeks. I mean, it is a very funny movie. I, I love that movie because you know what? I was an extra in that. You're, wait, what? Uh, well, so was about 40,000 other people or maybe 15,000 because they uh, filmed it at m and Bank Stadium and I was one of those 15,000 or so. Well, what do you know? I see. We didn't even... You made that reference because you knew that we'd get to that fact. You Probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was... I was looking ahead. Yeah, it was, it's a good job by you. I uh, That really is one of my favorites. I'm not a big movie guy, but like that is one of my, my favorites. What's funny is I think I might have been, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. So when I was there, I was kind of like confused a little bit because they were running the same play for about an hour and a half of on like a <laughs> flat play. And the guy was getting hit over and over and over. I was like, where's the actual game? I didn't know like how they made a movie. I didn't know they spent an hour on one play. Mm. Yeah, no, that's rough. Uh, and then I, your parents might not let you watch that movie at the time. No, but uh, you You've know, seen it since. I've I've seen it many times, and I like to say I co-starred with Gene Hackman and uh, Keanu Reeves. Have you have you ever um, been able to find yourself in the crowd? It's hard because I was behind uh, the. Behind the field goal in like the east end zone, I believe. Okay. And I believe there is a certain scene where there's a row of fans that are, I think, actual like actors potentially, because they kept do they kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. I might have been like four or five rows, uh-huh. but I have not seen myself, and I think I might have been CGI'd to make it seem like there were sixty thousand other people. So they took the group of fifteen thousand or so, and then just pasted around the. So I might so, be on there so five, maybe, six times. Maybe, Yeah, maybe if you look carefully, you can see multiple Vic Ferreras. I, I've tried. No, no luck. No luck. No luck. All right. Well, that's that's fun. Uh, Vic, I feel I feel refreshed. I would highly recommend mm. uh, if your job allows you at some point. To, you know, we all have we all have some form of PTO. Uh, you know, I guess if you're hourly, it's like if you don't work, then you don't get paid. That is kind of a pain. I've, I've definitely lived that life. Um, but – if you if you work in a career where you have PTO, use it, kids. Um, it's it's good for you. Feel good. Feel refreshed. Uh, ready to to go to Indianapolis tomorrow. Because the, the funny joke is, Vic, um, I am back in the saddle today, and then I leave again tomorrow. Now I will be on the show tomorrow, and boy, do we have some shows planned for you while we are in Indianapolis. I will pull up the guest list to make sure I do not miss anybody in a moment. Um, but. I literally am in this literal chair for one day, and then I am I am back in a in a very nice airplane seat tomorrow, and then and then ultimately on a chair in Radio Row from Indianapolis. So looking forward to that. Um, that is going to be great, and I guess this is the part of the show, Vic, where we just unleash on the people what is going to happen over the next couple of days. Are you excited? Because if to me it feels weird, uh, I'm missing some NFL. It hasn't sunk in that the NFL mm. season is gone. 
Why do you think that is? Like you get up Sunday morning and you're like, it's just I'm waiting for the Fox NFL pregame show. Up oh, there's there's nothing on at noon. I, I I guess it hasn't sunk in yet. It's been what two weeks since the Super Bowl? Am I right? Yeah. Or is it a week? This, this past Sunday was was two weeks. Like so, there a bit there yeah. was a Sunday with no football, and then this is the second Sunday with no football, and then coming up this Sunday will be a third Sunday with no football. Although there are workout drills, there is the combine on Sunday if you need to get a fix in of dudes will eventually be NFL football players running around um, doing football adjacent stuff. But to me, usually after the Super Bowl, I think I, it's like a two or three week period before it, it sinks in for me because you wait two weeks from the championship games to the Super Bowl. So this would be no different than me waiting two weeks from, quote, another game. So it, it's, it's still painful right now that we have no football on Sundays. So for me, I think it's not as bad because I do the pregame show all season. And then because the commanders didn't sniff the playoffs and on some level, I couldn't wait for the misery just to be over. Like there was this, we were stuck in purgatory for six weeks where they were terrible and we knew they were terrible. And the only, and especially after Sam's season went sideways, like we knew there was nothing worth watching other than, Hey, tell me what happened at the end and what happened to the other teams that are also bad because, oh my God, they might wind up with the second pick. And turns out that was the case, but that's not like an exciting thing to watch unfold. So, and it's certainly not fun to do a game, a, a pregame show that previews the game that nobody cares about. Um, <laughs> right. So that was, that was not my favorite way to spend Sunday mornings. Uh, as opposed to earlier in the season where it was uh, one of my favorite ways to spend Sunday mornings because it was really exciting and people were genuinely jacked up for the games. So we have the pregame show end in, what, January 8th, week 17. And then from there, it's like, for me, the season's over. Yeah, I, of course, I watched all the playoff games, and that was really fun and exciting. But, like, at that point, I know I'm getting weaned off of football. Like, there wasn't – I guess if you spend every Sunday waiting for 1 o'clock watching and that's your rhythm – and instead of get up, go to a pregame show, watch, postgame show, et cetera, I could see why that's that feels like more of quitting cold turkey. And well, that why yeah. that's why that's been shocking for you. Yeah, well that well, I knew the season was over after the Chicago Bears game for the Commanders. Well, after that Thursday that. night game. So I already knew well, the season's over. So I've kind of already at that time adjusted to just watching generic NFL games and watching like the Pat Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons, to where now I don't have that anymore. It's it's painful for me. So what are you what are you trying to do on your Sundays? Well, here's the thing: I haven't played Madden football in like 15 years, and oh. so to accommodate for that, it was actually free on Xbox Game Pass. I have that, and I was like, you know what? Let's fire up the Madden, and now that's how I'm getting my fix in. I'm playing as the Commanders, going week by week, and I already had a perfect season with Sam Howell, so I think you should be the quarterback next year. Oh, well, that's clearly yeah. how we should make this decision. Yes. Someone get Adam Peters on the phone. Yep. Um, what difficulty lever are you playing? Uh, since I haven't played in so I have it on all pro, which I believe is the second highest. So, I, yeah, no, that's so, actually pretty impressive. Go all season undefeated. Yeah. So I'm going to try all Madden for my second season. Okay. With Sam Howell as my quarterback. Yeah, I've uh, I've done similar things. Um, I hadn't touched my – I hadn't touched the PlayStation in a while until last week. Got some quality FIFA uh, action in uh, now going in my third season of career mode uh, after no fourth season at uh, two seasons at Wrexham because of course I did uh, and I, I turned down much bigger money to leave Wrexham after the first season but the money was so good after the second season that I went to the Bundesliga and then and then I went uh, to, to Arsenal and I just started my first my first season in the Premier League 
as a 22-year-old striker who scores a lot of goals. I haven't played FIFA, and so I think the last time I played FIFA— I'm sorry, it's not FIFA anymore. It's not? It's FC, it's FC 24, See, there you go. See, which the- becomes important because they don't have the licensing agreement to the World Cup anymore, and so I did just lead the United States to the Men's International Cup. That sounds huge. That should be breaking news. Yeah, so that's, that's part of how I spent my week. Uh-huh. But I also spent it, Victor, now that we've kept the people waiting— I also spent it booking guests for Indianapolis. Really? I did. Are they big I did time a guests? Bit of work. Uh, some would say they are some of the biggest guests in right. NFL media circles. So here's here's what we got tomorrow. Tomorrow's kind of our ESPN day. We got ESPN NFL draft insider Jordan Reed, ESPN NFL draft insider Matt Miller, both on the show tomorrow. We also have The Athletic, one of their lead draft insiders, Nick Bumgardner. We also have a roundtable of NFL media types, reporters, film nicks, etc. So far, we got one slot left that we have uh, We got to confirm up. But it's going to be me, Brooke Pryor from ESPN, and Ben Solak from The Ringer. And what we're going to do, because I've always done this with my fitness podcast in Indy, because we tape a bunch of stuff on that side as well. And I was like, I'm so dumb. Why don't we do this, for, you know, because all the top trainers are in Indy. So we get a couple of them together, and we everyone brings a topic, and we chop it up, and it's a great discussion. I was like, why don't we do that with the NFL? So me, Brooke, Ben, and TBD slot four are going to all bring a different NFL topic to the table. Could be scheme, could be trends, could be ownership, could be coaching, could be players, whatever. We'll see what everybody brings, and we're all going to chop it up. So that's that. Uh, and then Sam Fortier, I believe, is also going to join the show tomorrow. Adam Peters' podium session at 11.30. I do believe we're carrying that live uh, here on the Team 980. If not, we'll have uh, bites on Sheehan's show and, and Russell's show right after. But uh, Sam Fortier is going to join us as well. So that's loaded. That's day one. And by the way, there's probably other people that will wind up on the show. You ready for day two? All right, hit me. Day two. The show opens at 4 p.m. with Ian Rappaport. Oh, nice. Uh, we will also that day have, this is kind of our NFL Network Day, Lance Zerline. So if you go to or go to NFL.com and you search any draft prospect and there's the little write-up on that that says, like, this is who this prospect is, the guy that writes those for every prospect on NFL.com, we've all read them, is Lance Zerline. He's on the show. Charles Davis is on the show on Wednesday as well. I think I'm missing people, but those are the ones that are definitely uh, locked in for Wednesday. And then we're actually taping some stuff on Thursday that will air on the show on Friday, including the Athletics' Nate Tice, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, and more. That's a great lineup. So we got we are we are loaded, you might say. Uh, we actually got a pretty damn good lineup worth of guests today as well. Still to come on the Hoffman Show, Chase Hughes. In less than 20 minutes, uh, as he's going to talk some Wizards with us. We're going to talk Wizards amongst ourselves next. Take some of your calls later in the hour. Some Wizards things I've been pondering on the last week. And obviously, there's been a lot of things happening in Zardo's land. Uh, Coming up later in the show on Monday with Michael Phillips. Uh, We will also hear from NFL.com lead draft writer Eric Edholm to preview the NFL Combine. So we are loaded up. Not just today, but all week long. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We'll talk Wizards with Chase Hughes coming up 
in just a few minutes. But we'll talk Wizards amongst ourselves now. And um, actually, Vic, I'm curious if this made your radar. Um, when we last left our heroes, if you will, uh, I was it was right before the All-Star break. And my last show uh, that I did before leaving on, on vacation was after Denny Avia had had a couple nice games in a row. And I thought some folks, a very loud portion of Wizards Twitter, including like some podcasters and bloggers and um, other folks who, who talk into microphones, um, had gotten a little bit out over their ski on Denny Avia. They were putting out, I mean, it, it, some of it was in good fun. Some of it, I think, was being a little too serious. But, you know, we're Denny Avia apologist forms. And, you know, all these just, this guy's amazing. He's a star. This is what happens when you give him opportunity. And I was like, y'all can relax. He's averaging 13.8 points a game. I loved, or I really like Denny Avia a lot as a player. And I think he could be very helpful and part of a winning team if he's the, I don't know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh guy on it. But let's stop pretending like this is this dude is some star in the making because he's had a nice two weeks. And then I went on vacation. And that night, but actually before I left for vacation, Thursday night, the last game before the All-Star break, Denny Avia dropped 43 points. <laughs> And I was like, career high. Well, <laughs> actually, no, sorry. That was Wednesday. And I was able to do the show on Thursday and be like, guess what? Still Linton still doesn't really change anything. I don't know. Maybe he could be the third best player on a championship team instead of the fourth best. My bad. Well, obviously, when you, uh, when you go on vacation, there's no more content. I don't do the show when I'm on vacation. That's the point. And so for a week, I just watched... My YouTube comments fill up and, and you know, I'd get occasional shrapnel replies of Wizards fans because there's also, at that point, no more games. We have no new information. We have no new data. And lo and behold, we get back uh, from the All-Star break. I'm still on vacation. And the Wizards play their first game. And uh, first of all, Vic, did you see any of the, the back and forth? Are you, how locked into Wizards Twitter are you? Uh, I'm not locked in. Okay. Not, not at all. I, I it go became the a thing. I was I was a character on Wizards Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah, which is fun. <laughs> um, and and lo and behold, what, what do you know? What Denny Avia did in his first game back after the All Star break? What did he do? He scored five points. Oh man! On a miserable shooting night. Now it, he against has, the champions, right? Yeah, yeah, against the Nuggets. It was it was real bad. Got 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 all nuggied by the Nuggets. Just <laughs> rubbed it in, and. You would think that would lead to me taking a victory lap, right? Right. But so this is my first show. This is my chance. Okay. Vic, prepare the parade for me. Prepare my victory lap. All right. Except for don't. Oh, okay. Because I think what happens is people want players to be on the extremes. They want players to be Patrick Mahomes or absolutely cannot play bust because then it's really easy, right? That dude's great. That dude sucks. It's an easier narrative than the vast majority of reality, which is it's it's really hard to be consistently great. And mediocrity doesn't look like 14 points and four rebounds every single night. It looks like 22 points and eight rebounds some nights and 10 points and two rebounds the next. That fluctuation in play is something that messes with the narratives because it's not clean. It's not consistent. 
And so what I would tell anybody, and I, I very briefly got back onto Wizards Twitter. By the way, my only reply the morning after the Wizards uh, game in, against the Nuggets, in which Denny Avia had five points, was a hilarious tweet of someone reposting my segment where everyone is trying to cook me and going, y'all owe this man an apology. And to that guy, thank you. Uh, but what Denny Avia is not is a budding superstar who's going to score 43 points on any kind of regular basis. We'll be lucky. Like, if you told me right now that Denny Avia will retire in a decade and that 43 points will still be his career high, I'd probably take that bet. That's how, like, out of pocket, in a great way. It doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate it. Incredible game. But if Denny Avia goes and scores 44 points in a game in the future, bravo. But he might score 40 once a season. Maybe. It's really hard to score 40 points. Easier now than it's ever been in a season where scoring is at an all-time high. But very, very difficult, very impressive. He's not going to do it regularly. He's not going to score 30 regularly. 20, maybe. But this dude averages 13 points per game. And what that realistically means is there's he's not 43-point Denny, but he's also not 5-point Denny. He is simultaneously neither of those players and both of those players. He's just going to be inconsistent. And I think the hope is that he he gets more consistent as he gets older. And for me, what I would want from Denny Advia if I'm this front office is someone who reliably defends at a high level, averages between 16 and 18 points per game, hopefully seven or eight rebounds, four or five assists, doesn't turn it over, Shoots 37% from three. He's shooting an outrageously high number this year, which is awesome. If Denny Avia turns into a 40% three-point shooter, then incredible. But he's realistically, if he settles into like 37 for his career, like I'm very happy with that. And I think wanting more of that is setting yourself up to be disappointed and planning on more of that would be asinine, which I think gets to my last thing, which is when, when all these, when a lot of fans are like, why are you putting a ceiling on his his potential? Because their their counterpoints to acknowledge them, which are fair enough, is that you know with Kuz out there, with Pool out there, like he doesn't get the opportunities. And it's like, okay, Kyle was out one game and he has forty three. Like, don't you think that if they thought he was capable of that on a regular basis, then he would be out there a lot more and the the offense would flow through him? You don't think these coaches? Uh, or that Michael Winger and Will Dawkins like know what they're looking at when they watch these dudes in practice. Like, come on. But oh, now I've lost my train of thought. Vic, where was I? Pick me up. Uh, talking about Danny Avdia's ceiling. Yes, the ceiling. Which I have so, something from Bullets Forever. They posted a poll, but I'll let you finish. Yeah, no, I I am intrigued in the Bullets Forever poll. Um, but I think I think that when you're talking about a player's ceiling. First of all, I have no control over a ceiling. I have no control over anything. I am a guy who talks into a microphone. Oh. Yeah, that's that's me. Sorry for uh, that. That hurt your ears, Vic. Yeah. Oh, my We've God. had this conversation before about my ears. Oh, it, it they're hurts. Very, they're very Tinnitus. sensitive. Yeah, sensitive. Oh. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> I'm a usual radio guy whose hearing is probably going as we speak. <laughs> um, tap, tap. Very nice on the microphone for Vic. Um, I... I'm a guy who talks into a microphone. I give my opinions for three hours a day. I have no control over anything. 
But as a franchise, if you plan on him reaching a ceiling that is higher than what is actually going to happen, then you plan differently. You draft differently. You sign free agents differently. You give opportunities and distribute them differently. And that's a very silly thing to do because then you wind up coming up short. So that's why it matters. What did the Bullets uh, Forever poll say? Yeah, they asked... What is Danny Avdia's NBA ceiling? You have three choices. You mm-hmm. could choose a solid playoff starter, an all-star, or he is close to his peak now. Which of those three would you vote? I would say he's a solid playoff starter. Solid playoff starter? Then you are in the majority. 54% say that hey, he now. is a solid playoff starter. 37 at all-star and 9% say he's close to his peak right now. That 37% needs to watch other NBA teams. Well, they're only Wizard fans, so who knows? Maybe I they mean, just watch Wizards. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this in the break, and then we're going to have Chase Hughes on to talk about Denny and uh, Jordan Poole, who's looked like a totally different player coming off the bench post-All-Star break. Uh, so, But here's what I'm going to do in the break. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up Denny Avia's stats uh, as they stand right now for this year, and I'm going to see how many players, points, rebounds, assists have them. I'm going to guess there's a lot. Mm-hmm. So, all-star, no. I think Denny, Denny Avia's level of player, no disrespect, very, very good, but is much more dime a dozen in the NBA. It's Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We'll talk about all of this with Chase Hughes next. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app, and it is our pleasure to welcome back to the show our buddy Chase Hughes from Monumental Sports. You read him on their website. You see him on your television. Uh, there's there's so many places to get Chase Hughes content. And uh, one more is right here on this radio show. What's up, Chase? Not much, man. It's great to be back on with you. Always great to have you. So we were talking about uh, Denny Avia in the last second or the last segment. And there is a lot of, obviously, uh, Denny Avia ceiling talk these days. Uh, because of the 43-point game that he had right before the All-Star break. And he had a really, really good two-week stretch before the break. As you talk to uh, you know folks around the team and uh, kind of watch with your own eyes the development of Denny this year, like what, where do you see him as a player right now? And, and how much more room to grow is there through your eyes uh, with him? Well, I see a guy who's made a pretty big leap this year. Um, you know, obviously scoring more points, uh, doing more in a volume sense than he has uh, the first three years of his career, but also just becoming a more reliable three-point shooter and a better rebounder. You know, he's become one of the best rebounders on the team. And uh, I asked um, interim coach Brian Keefe about him yesterday, just his offensive versatility. And he said that he thinks a lot of it just starts with getting defensive rebounds and taking the ball up the court. So I think the big reason why a lot of things have been unlocked for him this year is that the Wizards are playing faster. They're, they've been up near the top of the league in pace all year. And it just really suits Denny's strengths because he's really good in transition. He's big. He can handle the ball. He's fast. And he's starting to recognize when he can take advantage of physical mismatches, especially in open space. So um, I, as far as his ceiling, I, I think it's probably being raised in a lot of people's eyes. And I think moving forward, especially if the Wizards are playing this style, then I, I think he could be at a minimum, you know, a rotation player, probably a starter on a good team. Like when the Wizards are ready to contend for the playoffs, I think he could be a key contributor on that type of team. 
So you and I, I think, are very much on the same page here, which is we say many nice things, and then we land on he's a rotation player, like a very good one potentially, but this is not someone that I see as a future superstar, and yet there is a very loud portion of Wizards Twitter uh, and the Wizards fan base that I think gets carried away with the two weeks and, and the 43 points. And I would be quick to point out, by the way, that the five points he had in the one game post-All-Star break before getting hurt, that's not who he is either. He's just somewhere in between. So like, if we think about realistically what that rotation player looks like, that that kind of finished version as much as NBA, any NBA player ever is of Denny Avia, like what is what does that look like statistically in your mind? Well, if he ends up becoming a starter on a playoff team or like a a really good team, then that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, you know, you mentioned uh, being a superstar. There's only a handful of those guys in the league. It's really, really hard to become that good. Um, But for Denny, I mean, I I think you're obviously being a scoring threat in transition. Now he can make threes. Um, I I think that the key will be having the same impact that he does in transition in the court. You know, they've, tried to, they've run him off a lot more pick and rolls this year, um, a lot more frequently than we saw the first three years. And, you know, he's got to, you know, continue to get better at, at tightening his handle and protecting the ball. Um, but he's on the right track. And, you know, he's a good rebounder, as I mentioned. You know, we haven't really talked about his defense, but anyone who's watched him over the last year, few years knows that, you know, he's a very versatile and gifted defender. I think the more help the Wizards can get, for him and guys like Bilal Koulibaly, you know, they're better defenders. The more help they can get on that end of the floor, the more it'll simplify things for a guy like Denny. And, you know, he won't be left on an island against some of the best players in the league. He'll have, you know, help in terms of help defense and also rim protectors behind him. Um, But I I think a two-way player who can rebound and can be uniquely good in transition and a starter on a playoff team, if he ends up being that, then he'll be well worth the ninth overall pick. Without a doubt, and I think he's also the kind of guy that can win you a playoff game. Like, I think of, I mean, the worst, uh, the best example is unfortunately terribly heartbreaking for the Wizards um, because I think of the Kelly Olynyk game. And I think of how, you know, back in 2016, like, he, that dude was a role player, won a playoff game for the Celtics and wound up winning them a series. I think Denny Avia, with his skill set, could absolutely be that kind of guy that wins you a, a playoff game. I don't say single-handedly, but with an outsized uh, type of of impact. And I think that's a super valuable piece to have. Um, You mentioned Brian Keefe. What have you made of how there's some of the changes, big macro size changes that uh, the Wizards have made since Keefe took over um, outside of Jordan Poole, who we'll talk about separately in a moment? Yeah, I'll start on the offensive end. I know he's talked a lot about defense, but one discernible difference has definitely been the amount of threes that the Wizards are attempting. Um, Coming out of the all-star break, they'd been uh, like seventh in the league in total threes attempted over the previous month um, since Keith had taken over. And, you know, they took 40 last night. And they're not necessarily shooting like that efficiently. Um, Like during this stretch, they've had a couple games where they've shot sub 30% from three but they're making a lot of threes. In the four games leading up to the All-Star break, they tied a franchise record making 23s, and then a couple games later, they set a new record making 21. Um, So that's been one difference. Defensively, um, they've kind of regressed lately, but for the most part, they've been better. And, uh, you know, when you ask the players what's been different, they say that they're trusting each other a lot more in isolation defense. They're not doing as much help defense. And I think it's simplified things where you're not having as much miscommunication on switches. So, uh, that's been different. 
And then in general, you hear from players all the time that Brian Keith is like very direct, very blunt when it comes to holding people accountable. And we've noticed that a little bit, like in the media, like sometimes, you know, he'll kind of give it back to us a little bit. He's just kind of a no nonsense guy. Like he's not going to sugarcoat it. He's going to tell you what he thinks. And as Johnny Davis told us uh, last night, sometimes it'll be in front of the entire group. Well, he'll, he'll be like, you're not doing this well enough. You got to be better at it. And I think that's the type of accountability the Wizards are searching for right now. Chase Hughes, of course, monumental sports with us here on the Hoffman Show. So uh, before we get to pool, and that's how we'll wrap up uh, our chat here, I'm going to ask you a, like the biggest macro size question I can. So big, Chase, that as we stream on YouTube, this is the question that's on the graphic. Are the Wizards showing improvement despite the fact that they have lost 11 games in a row? Because the vibes are good. The results are bad. Trying to make sense of that. Are the Wizards improving despite the results of the last 11 games? I think they are because uh, the young guys have taken steps forward this year. I I think whatever they end up with, however many wins at the end of the season, if the progress continues for Denny Avdi and Corey Kispert, you're going to feel good about that. Uh, Bilal Koulibaly has, um, you know, obviously dealt with the what all rookies deal with, which is just the the tonnage of games. Like you get to a point where um, I think these all these young guys just get tired as they're adjusting to playing an 82 game season. So, um, you know, call it the rookie wall, call it whatever you want. Right now, obviously, he's hurt. Um, as long as he continues to have a successful rookie season, you'll feel good about that. So, I think those are the things that the Wizards will hang their hat on at the end of the year. Now, over these last 25 games, if they can get back to playing the defense they were. Um, kind of leading up to the All-Star break, where over about a month going back to January 9th, up until the All-Star break, they were a top-10 defense. I think they'll feel a lot better about that. Uh, they made progress last night against Cleveland, but you know, going up against Oklahoma City and Denver and giving up 130-plus, that's certainly not what they're looking for. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and they had, until those recent blowouts, been pretty competitive during this streak in a way that they hadn't been uh, previously under Wes Unsell, which, which, you know, obviously, you know, as much as we all love Wes, was the reason uh, why the, he ultimately is no longer the head coach of the team. All right, then there is Jordan Poole, who is obviously an important part of this rebuild to try to recoup his value, if you will, after a miserable start to his Wizards career. He wasn't particularly thrilled, it seemed, about being moved to the bench, but he has responded by having uh, great performances offensively, including a season-high 31 last night against Cleveland in the loss. Like, what what have you made of of Jordan Poole's uh, you know post All Star resurgence here? Is it the break? Is it the role? Like what what are the the factors here? I think the role has a lot to do with it. Um, he was in good spirits last night. It was like the first time that we really saw a breakthrough from this new role. Like the first two games, he scored a decent amount of points, but it wasn't exactly efficient. Um, and last night, you know, he it really kind of peaked in the fourth quarter. He had 11 points in the first three minutes, made three threes, and was really kind of feeling it and kind of interacting with the crowd. Um, two things on the roll. I think, one, it, it, it helps any player to go to the second unit and then all of a sudden be facing backups. Like, it's a completely different dynamic when you're going up against second units compared to starters. Uh, but perhaps more importantly, he gets to play more on the ball uh, than he had previously this season. And I didn't really realize it just how much he'd been playing off the ball or at least as a shooting guard until I looked at the position estimate that basketball reference has, which isn't an inexact science, but they had him as the shooting guard 83% of the time this year leading up to the all-star break. And that was by far the most that he's played as a shooting guard in his career. 
Like, looking back at his time in Golden State, he was actually a starter more often than he was coming off the bench. But he played a lot of point guard in Golden State, way more than I thought he did. And they, they ran a lot of pick and rolls with him last year. It was something like over 400 pick and rolls, which is a lot. Like, it was it was more than, like, Bradley Beal and Monte Morris did combined last season. And, you know, wow. two guys who ran a lot of them for the Wizards. So they're going to run a lot of pick and rolls with him. He's the point guard. Johnny Davis, as of now, is the shooting guard in that second unit. He's only focused on defense. So it's really kind of like up to Jordan Poole to get going offensively. And I thought we saw a step forward last night. And and he talked about it after the game, about how he's playing much more on the ball than he had earlier this season. So I think he's adapting to that role and and will – see the positives in it over time. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's the thing that I think blew my mind earlier this year, Chase, is I just kept looking at the field goal attempts and being like, this is not enough. Like, this dude's got to shoot more. And I don't know whether it's putting the ball in his hands, it's whether it's taking him uh, or giving him more minutes where Kyle is not on the floor because obviously Kyle's got high usage. It's not a criticism. It's just, like, he's the best player on the team. He should have high usage. But that means less possessions available for other guys. So when he's on the bench, if all of a sudden JP's the guy, then then he's going to get the ball more. And I just, I like, to me, that's the most encouraging thing. The results are great, but the fact that he's actually shooting again makes it feel like, oh, yeah, like, I recognize that guy. That's Jordan Poole. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just talking about putting him in the on the bench as opposed to the starting lineup. Tyus Jones also has to get his shots, and when you put Jordan Poole at the two combined with Tyus, and it's a little undersized as a backcourt, and also when Jordan Poole is the two, he doesn't really have a physical advantage over many of the guys guarding him at that spot. But if you put him at the one, he's six four, he's fast, um, he can he can find some mismatches at that spot, even though point guards are obviously bigger now than they've ever been. And I just like the idea of having Johnny Davis out there, too, just to focus on defense. It's like you don't really have to share the ball as often with, you know, a guy like Tyus Jones. He can just kind of go run the offense, and they surround him with shooters. The Wizards have a lot of shooters in their second unit, of course, highlighted by uh, Corey Kispert. So uh, it does make sense. Like, the reasoning makes sense, but, of course, it's up to Jordan Poole to figure it out on his own. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, uh, you working on any – I always like to ask you this because you write some crazy cool stories sometimes. Anything in particular you're working on right now? Yeah, uh, so I'm uh, working on a story on Corey Kispert's pregame shooting routine, like specifically where he shoots from, how many shots he takes, and talking to other players about it. So I filmed his whole pregame shooting routine last night, and I got to go through it and chart it by the numbers. But I talked to him and got some ins and outs of it. I think it's going to be a pretty cool story. That is awesome. That is that is good stuff. I'm excited to read that. Appreciate uh, it. Chase Hughes, uh, always writing interesting stuff on Monumental Sports website. And then, of course, a, an active participant in their pre- and post-game shows, halftime as well. Sometimes even joining the game broadcast. He's a versatile, versatile man. Uh, Chase, always appreciate your time, sir. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Thanks. Anytime. All right. That is Chase Hughes from Monumental Sports. We'll react to some of the Jordan Poole stuff to close out the hour next on The Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Hope you're having a great start to your week here on a Monday. Again, we are in studio today, and then uh, and we're on the road again. On the road again. On the road. Okay. Uh, you get the point. We're off to Indianapolis tomorrow. Uh, the show is live Tuesday and Wednesday from Radio Row. And actually... Uh, Vic, I'm going to pull back the curtain the whole way here. 
Uh, we were hoping to have uh, our pal J.I. Hallsell on the show today to talk NFL salary cap. Uh, we're going to talk it amongst ourselves, how we want to spend some of this commander's cap money uh, in the next hour of the show. Um, but uh, we are, and, and he can't do it today because he's getting ready to travel to Indy. So instead, we're going to have him on the show in Indy on Wednesday. Sounds like a good idea. I a like pretty it. Good, pretty good backup plan right yeah. there. I'm pretty pumped about that. So add him to the excellent guest list on Wednesday. Again, that starts with Ian Rappaport, NFL Network's lead insider, joins us to start the show Wednesday on Radio Row. Uh, then we also have Charles Davis, Lance Zerline, now J.I. Halsell. We'll see who else pops by. Siciliano always winds up on the show. Good chance he's on Wednesday. Nice. So we'll see uh, We'll see what we do there. By, by the way, well, what about Indianapolis just being the hotbed right now in the last couple of weeks where all the sports landscape is? You had the NBA All-Star Weekend. Yeah. You have the Combine. I mean, the Pacers are pretty good, right? Yeah, so, I think we actually might be going to the Pacers game on Wednesday night. Pretty I mean, about it, that. The, life goes through there now. Yeah, I, I will say this. Indy, if people – like, is it the place I want to go in February? Typically, no. I've had some very cold Combines. I, it is supposed to be very nice this week, though. Like, it's going to be in the 60s the next two days. Like, I'm going to go run outside. Pretty pumped about that. I thought I was gonna have to do some running on the treadmill. No, no, your boy's going outdoors. Nice outdoors. Um, but uh, it, it's a very cool city for big events because all the major hotels are connected and they're all connected to the convention center. So, like, if you're staying at one of the major hotels, uh, you are you can walk indoors through tunnels to the convention center, which also connects to the mall. They let out right by, like, I'm not staying at one of the major, major hotels. Um, we wanted a little bit more space, so we went to, like, a suites place that's, like, right off of that. But I can walk out of the tunnel, walk across the street, and be in my hotel and some of the main restaurants and stuff. Like, it's a very compact downtown, so it's actually a great place for, for big events. Like, I would never... I never would have thought I'd be on the radio one day being like, Indianapolis is great. <laughs> but it honestly, for stuff like this, it's really a really like for a final four, I would love it to be an indie for the combine. It's great. So it's, it's a, uh, what about food? How's the food? The food is fine. Just for um, average. Yeah. Like it, right. Indy's kind of known for steakhouses. There are some very nice steakhouses. Obviously, you know, you go to, you go to uh, St. Elmo's or uh, their sister restaurant, Harry and Izzy's. That's the pro move. It's the same shrimp cocktail. For the shrimp cocktail, um, actually, it's really the amateur move because it's less expensive and it's literally the same kitchen. Um, <laughs> the point is, uh, it's it's good. Um, if you want a better food city, it's pretty easy to find. There's not a lot of a lot of great restaurants. There are some good ones, but not not as many as like no. We were in Vegas for the Super Bowl. Ate better in Vegas than all the okay. in, in Indianapolis. But did we ever get your thoughts on the NBA All Star? Because no, you were out, right? No. Um, what yeah, you think of it? Quick. Talk yeah. about Jordan Poole here, but we can yeah. talk about this instead and go back to Poole in the next uh, the next hour. We take a bunch of calls in the next hour as well. Pretty pumped about that. And then we got some great guests coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. Um, I think the NBA needs to do something. And I have been someone for years who has said people need to get over the All-Star game being this offensive pickup run. Um because it's kind of like I always kind of have fun watching it because I'm like, you know what? I, we all understand what it is. And when people say they don't play defense in the NBA, no, no, no. This is what it would look like if they don't play defense in the NBA. <laughs> this is how good these guys are. Like the reminder of how insanely talented these men are is 
is, I think, refreshing in a way. However, however, when you have players outright saying, I don't care in the way that Anthony Edwards did, in the way that Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic have, when like there is not even a fake competitiveness happening, I think you have a problem. And it sucks because these guys do play pickup in the offseason. Like, you know, the, the kind of running joke in NBA circles is like if you want to see a competitive all-star game, go to the, the pickup run at UCLA in the offseason or at Chris Brickley's gym in New York, and you'll see these same guys going at each other's throats. And yet you put it on national television in what's supposed to be one of the great honors of your career, and you you guys can't even pretend to try? Yeah. Like, I hate that. I hate that for the fans. I hate that for us. Like, because the idea of an all-star game is really cool. Like, let's get the best players on the court and see what happens. And it used to be something where you could kind of see who the alphas were. Like, I even remember when some of the younger, like, generation all-stars, like the, the Westbrooks and the Hardens were starting to emerge a little bit. And you go to the all-star game and Carmelo Anthony would destroy them. And you're like, oh, they're still not there yet. Yet. Like, there, you see the the power of some of the veteran like more developed players and like you see the difference right there in front of your eyes. Um, nevertheless, a guy like LeBron. So I I love the idea of an all-star game if you get remotely what it's supposed to be. But I think the NBA needs to do something. And I, I think there's some good options out there. One of which is just paying the guys in the same way that you do the in-season tournament. Like that seemed to work. The guys seem to care about it. Um, but I think there's probably some other things that they can they can try to, but just watch uh, the all-star game in the nineties. Like I was watching Jordan, like going one-on-one against Tracy McGrady. Like first quarters were ending like 20 to 19. Like they were legitimately playing defense and like, as if it was game seven. So just go back and watch all-star games in the nineties and early two thousand. You know, one take that I, here's a, you ready for this sentence, Vic? This is something you probably don't anticipate hearing from me. And I would say don't anticipate hearing (laughs) uh, from me very often, but you know whose take I loved on part of All-Star Weekend? Yeah. Was Stephen A. When he was like, you know who killed the dunk contest? LeBron. Yeah. Because he's right. LeBron never did it. Like, all of the stars, the Jordans, the Kobe's, everyone before him did it. Mm-hmm. All the high flyers. He didn't. It was a little bit of like, I'm too cool for that. And like, dudes don't get hurt in the dunk contest. So the injury thing to me was always overplayed. And credit to Jalen Brown for trying to bring it back. And but Jalen Brown's, you know, a B level superstar, all due respect. I would love to be a B level NBA superstar. Um, but you know, he's not he's not Jason Tatum, his teammate. He's not, you know, LeBron, he's not Steph, he's not whatever. Um, but I think what happened is like LeBron treated the dunk contest that way, and then everyone else treated the entire weekend that way. And it's like, come on, guys. Mm-hmm. Come on. All right, when we get back, Michael Phillips joins us. It's a Monday, and Michael texted me. He's like, hey, are we still doing Mondays? And I was like, you know what? There's stuff to talk about. Let's do a Monday. Michael Phillips with us next. NFL salary cap, a record increase. Does that help or hurt the commanders? Michael will give his take next.